Hello and welcome to the O&M Stockroom. We're your hosts, Brian McGarry and Ken O'Malley. Tonight is episode 22 of Complimentary Cinema. If you are new to the channel, Complimentary Cinema is a program where we review and discuss films you can watch for free that are available on YouTube. Please be warned, we discuss these films in detail, so consider this a full spoiler alert. So uh, this was your week to pick the film, and what film did we pick, Ken? The movie we watched this week is called Blackthorn, and it is a Western film uh, of international variety. This is a, it takes place in Bolivia, and it is a mixture of English and Spanish and some indigenous uh, language. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a different take on a Western. Uh, starring uh, Sam Shepard. Who was in uh, The Right Stuff and just a bunch of other movies over the years. But he's probably best known for The Right Stuff. And uh, we also have uh, Eduardo Noriega as Eduardo Epotica. I'm going to butcher that, sorry. Uh, Stephen Ray as McKinley. Uh, Magali Solier as Yana. Uh, Nikolai Costner-Waldo as James. And Padre uh, Delaney as Sundance. And Dominique McElligot as Etta. And then you got a few other stragglers. So, uh, yeah, this was the... Uh, we've done a couple Westerns. We did uh, Miss Missouri Breaks mm -hmm. a while back, and that was a pretty fun one. And uh, on the whole, I, I really enjoy Western films. I just never think to put one on just for the fun of it. But this was a good one because it has that South American twist to it. So many of the uh, the Western films, you know, they take place solely in the American, you know, Southwest or like on the plains. Rarely do you get out of that out of that scene. Even the spaghetti westerns of the '60s and uh, early '70s, even though they were filmed in Italy, they still were set in the American Southwest. And this one doesn't pretend to be either, which I like. Yeah, it's it's a, definitely a different take than one we've seen before. Uh, I kind of feel similarly as far as I never think of watching a western, but uh, I, we've had a string of good luck, I would say, with uh, with the last couple. The first one we watched was not so great, the the White Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, Charles Bronson was in that one, and that kind of uh, should have been all that we needed to know about that particular film. Yeah. So this this is uh, the story of Butch Cassidy, who at this point is uh, rather elderly. Um, it's been basically at some point there were some people that died, and they speculated that it was him, um, but it turns out that that was not true. And Butch Cassidy is still alive. He's been raising horses on a, a small ranch. And just kind of living a life being a free man in Bolivia. So he lives in this beautiful mountain range. He lives kind of in, uh, what is that called? A uh, saddle between two different mountains. And it's just beautiful. He lives in a kind of a, a, a little bit of a tropical, uh, what's it called? Like not rainforest, but it's, it's kind of like that misty. It's a very lush forested area. Yeah. And he just seems like he has a great little life. He lives next to a, a creek that has kind of waterfalls in it. And he has a, a beautiful woman that, that apparently comes and, and, you know, lives life with him. Apparently they're not married, but, you know, they just, they have a good time together. She, she works for him, but uh, they, they both get a little more out of the arrangement if you follow my drift. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it seems like he's he's lived this life, this whole different life. You know, it said he's been there for 20 years. Just, you know, in his this little corner of the world, living like a, a normal person, just living off the land and that kind of stuff. And uh, breeding horses, apparently, to some measure of success. So before we jump too much further into the summary, uh, three things that we like to look for in all these films that we review here. Uh, we've got three primary criteria. Is it well written? Is it well acted? And is it well produced? We shall find out at the end. So the the story, like I said, is mostly about Butch Cassidy. 
And uh, it turns out that he's been writing to his nephew who is living in America. And, you know, he's been writing him letters. And uh, he decides that he's at the point of his life where he's, you know, older. And uh, he feels like if he's going to die, he might as well go home and do it and get to meet his nephew who he's never met. And so the story is kind of, you know, he's selling his horses and just using the money to go back to America, where obviously he is still an outlaw, but, you know, he just figures, you know, he can just, nobody would be looking for him there anymore. Uh, And, you know, the general consensus with law enforcement is that he's dead anyway. Right. So he just decides to go back home. And this, this is kind of the story of what happens, you know, right after that. So one of his uh, first pet stops, you know, is naturally, hey, I'm going to go to the bank and, you know, collect my funds and everything. And, you know, he does that and he he, he ends up uh, having a business meeting where he sells his horses. And uh, during that meeting uh, with other, you know, well, well-heeled white men, they kind of uh, they kind of make a jab at the local Indian population that, you know, how come they can't you know, breed any decent horses. Seems like it should be easy enough. And, uh, you know, Blackthorn, as he goes by, takes exception to this. Uh, We can tell, you know, but they can't. He's like, hey, you know, well, you know, the terrain isn't good for those kinds of horses and everything, and it's not naturally suited to the environment. Say, would you guys like to play some cards? And he uh, he gets his little revenge on their on their uh, racism by basically just clearing them out and getting this really nice silver watch off of them. That was a great moment. It's and throughout all this part, kind of in the beginning, we're seeing his kind of sense of humor and the way he looks at life. And this is like, this character is great. Um, you know, he, he's got this kind of wisdom and practical outlook on everything. Like you said, he, he's able to, turn on people kind of without them knowing he, he remains very congenial about it and you can tell they're they don't kind of pick up on the you know his subtle little, you know he's like oh i haven't played cards in a long time uh you know back on the ranch all we had was indians or like you know we don't have yeah <laughs> we didn't have any fine civilized folk or right civilized men like you folk or exactly. something exactly so he, he's always you know he's got that kind of edge to him where it, it's not obvious you know it's very well disguised, you know, but he's, he's as sharp as ever, you know, for like this, this, you know, gray old man who's just been living in, in the woods for 20 years. So, you know, so we get, you know, so he sells his horses, he gets his money out of the bank. He's got thousands of dollars on him, which, you know, when you look at the inflation calculator, you find out he has about like $6,000, which was about close. Well, over $90,000 when adjusted for inflation for today. So he's, he's rolling around with a not inconsiderable sum that he wants to use to take back to the States. And, uh, on his way out, you know, he's, he's riding his horse and kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And then he runs into a little bit of trouble. Yeah. He finds a horse that's laying on the ground dead. And so he's kind of cautious, obviously about this. And when he rolls up to it, he finds that uh, someone just starts shooting at him while he's there, and uh, th- this unknown person ac- accidentally, whatever, however you want to, however it goes, shoots the horse, and so his his horse starts running away, which of course has all the money in it and all of his possessions and anything that he has. Literally everything that Blackthorn needs to get back to the States yes. and go see his nephew. And he's kind of out in the wilderness. It's not like he's on a road. You know, he's just been traveling across country. So he uh, he, he sneaks up on the, the assailant and finds that it is a, a, a guy in really bad shape who thinks that uh, Blackthorn is after him. Uh, apparently he is has done something bad and there's people after him. So... Uh, you know, Blackthorn says, Hey, you, you basically, we just said, as far as everything I have is, is, is running off into the desert now, you know, you owe me and, uh, why shouldn't I kill you kind of thing. And this, uh, this jerk who basically made him lose his horse and his money. Uh, that's the character of Eduardo. 
played by an actor named Eduardo as it, as it works out. And Eduardo says, you know, Hey, I was an, it was an engineer. I worked for, I worked for this, um, this, you know, big evil mine owner named Patino. And I stole a bunch of money and I'll give you some, I'll give you back your money. You know, just don't kill me and don't let these other people get catch up to me. It's worth noting earlier, it wasn't Patino one of the people he played poker with? Or they just mentioned him? Because I know the name came up earlier, but I don't couldn't remember. If they I, were, I must have completely missed that. Either he was one of the people at the table or they just mentioned it at that point. So it's kind of, it ties it in. He might have been one of the people at the table. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I'd have to go back and watch, but no time for that now. <laughs> So anyway, he uh, uh, Blackthorn still is kind of not interested. So he just, you know, he says whatever and whatever statement he makes, and goes off on his way, and starts heading into the this kind of barren plateau. And uh, he finds some some railroad tracks to follow, and he he's kind of headed back into a town. But uh, Eduardo catches up to him, and Eduardo is just kind of pathetic and doesn't. You can get the sense he doesn't know how to survive. Blackthorn is like, you know, he he could get by in the bush. You know, even though he's lost all this stuff, he's going to be fine. He's going to make it. But uh, this Eduardo character is definitely soft and just not up to the challenge of survival. At one point in the film, Eduardo gets bad saddle rash, which uh, Blackthorn has to address. And he summed up the, the character perfectly as far as ruggedness goes. There is something like your behinds as soft as a bookkeeper's. Yeah. You know, that's essentially that, that character in a nutshell. He's, he's kind of almost groveling and sniveling, especially at first, because he's just so out of his depth. Yeah. You know, and, and Blackthorn's just like this, you know, this old grizzly badass. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's basically lived like three or four lives at this point. So, uh, so Eduardo, you know, he basically keeps tagging along and tagging along and eventually he convinces, you know, he convinces Blackthorn, you know, I've got some money. I'll give you some money. Blackthorn's like, I want half. It makes a very good case for why he wants half. It's like, you know, like every, just a lot of great dialogue in this film. Like, uh, in the scene, he talks about how, you know, every, every foot I walk without a horse, Every hour in the sun, every time I, you know, I, every hour I go without water, you know, like you owe me for that. So I want half and, you know, Ed, Eduardo basic, you know, he has absolutely no, there's nothing he can say to that. Yeah. Well, and it turns out too, that there's, there are people after him. Um, there's people following Eduardo and there's like a bunch of them. I think there's like nine or 10. Oh, there's more than that. There's like probably 13 or 14. I to mean, start it's a, with, yeah. it's a, it's a, you know, it, it's a squad of people on horseback, and they're all very fierce South American Indians. And we, we find out he had, you know, maybe a day or two lead. So since now they're on foot and the people following are on horseback, that, that's, you know, been cut down quite a bit. So they're going to have to do some some maneuvering to stay ahead of them. And they end up uh, getting a couple of mules at one place. They uh, end up making their way to the abandoned mine where he stashed his money. And, uh, they, uh, that's the first place where the, uh, the pursuers first catch up with them. I was going to say right before that too, we see the big, a big change or difference between the two of them when they go into the bar Eduardo, like, you know, he, he's, he just wants water and, you know, he, he's not really talking to the people at all. And they just, you know, give him, you know, a little pittance. And then when Blackthorn comes in, he immediately makes a connection with, you know, the native bar owner and the other people there and you know you can see how he treats the people differently and they treat him differently um and that yeah, kind that, of that kind of plays in the whole theme of the movie as well that's a great point you know because like when he walks into that bar he drops a couple of coins and i think even beside the fact that hey he's got money they're just like oh it's this hombre yeah yeah that's the that's a very good one to, to bring up so, so then they they get to the mine, which would be uh, the, the next place after that. And that's where Eduardo stashed whatever he stole. So it turns out he's stolen, um, I guess. The equivalent of like $50,000. Right. Yes. Which 
when again when adjusted for inflation is like seven hundred thousand dollars now a lot of money yes so apparently you know since he was an engineer he's he's stashed at a place where he's he would know he knows the mine you know backwards and forwards so you know they have no problem getting it but then they're kind of caught because the the pursuers have entered the mine so they strat strategically shoot out their lights so they can escape and find it. Uh, he knows another way out, which takes them kind of the top of the mountain. And far away from their mules, which... Yeah, once again, they're back on foot. They're back on foot. There's a lot of time in this movie spent on foot, and this is one of those scenes. And they've, they've left all their other stuff behind again. Yeah, at some point... So 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 here's here's the fun part. So like often like in a, in a film where there's some pursuit of money like this, that's the basic, that's the film. Like that's the end goal of the film is like, how do we get this money, you know, and, and make off scot free. And there's great buildup to getting the, to the money. There's a lot of, you know, tension and suspense leading up to that. But by the time they get to it, it's just like, Oh, Hey, here's the money. And then they go on their way and you still have three quarters of the movie left, <laughs> which I really, really liked. Yeah. Well, especially at that point, too, because you know they've got a pretty good lead once they come out of the mine on a different side because the people won't know where the hell they went. And so Blackthorn says, well, you know, we we don't really have a lot of options. Let's just go back to my ranch. You know, he, he, he wasn't planning on going back there, but, you know, we might as well just go back to the ranch and uh, wait he, it out for a little while. He did plan to go back to the ranch once and then be gone for good. That's true. If you remember to be at the beginning. So it was always his plan to stop by there for just a little bit and then go for good. That's fair. So uh, they, they head back to the ranch. So they go, you know, we haven't mentioned it yet, but this movie is just beautiful. You know, every scene is just incredible scenery. So, you know, traveling from this plateau kind of not desert, but, you know, kind of scrublands uh, back into the hills and back through the mountains and on these little winding roads back to the kind of misty, misty mountain areas. It's just incredible. And it kind of tells part of the story too, as far as they keep changing places. Uh, this, this movie makes me realize how little I actually know about Bolivia and South America generally. And I'm going to have a lot of Googling to do in the next few days and lots of stuff to read because you know, like if this was actually, now this is a foreign film, but done in English. So it, I believe it was filmed in, you know, South America. I would love to know where they filmed because my God, I mean, we watched that Norwegian film mm. a few weeks back. What was that one called? Troll Hunter. Troll Hunter. Okay. So that movie, you know, filmed and set in Norway, absolutely gorgeous vistas constantly. And this one, I think of all the films that we've watched, it's probably the most beautiful visually Yeah. in terms of just the scenery and where they filmed. And there's, I also love that there's not one frame of CGI in this film. Yeah. It stays super grounded. Um, like you said, no, no over the top effects or anything that would be noticeable. And uh, this, the, the scenery is just nonstop beautiful. All these little villages and just the natural rocks and formations and everything. And like none of it's wasted either. Like it's all, you know, it, it all kind of has a purpose. So they 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 travel back to his farm, and uh, they run into Yara, ya Yana, Yana, Yana. That is the the woman, the very beautiful uh, young Indian woman who comes to work for him, and occasionally do a little extra. Yeah, yeah. So they they kind of have a. Um, you know, because they got pretty banged up during the their encounter encounters before, so they kind of took some time to heal up and you know resupply and everything like that, and don't really suspect that anyone's onto them anymore. As far as you know, would suspect they would go there. They think they've gotten away scot free, so they have a nice night. Uh, Yana stays over, and uh, you know they just they have a nice time, and then in the morning. They find there's like two native women kind of at the at the gate and Blackthorn goes out to see what they want and they say, well, we found your horse, 
because you know earlier his horse ran away with all the money and all the possessions. And that would be a great way to track him back to his ranch, right? Which they have. And so they said, "Well, we'll give you you give you your horse back if you give us the Spaniard, which is uh, our other character that a lot of people will call him the Spaniard because that's that's what he is as far as these people are concerned. An outsider, right? Not a gringo it's from Spain, but you know Spaniard. And uh, unfortunately, that encounter doesn't go well, and there is a shootout, which uh, takes Yana away from a uh, a stoic but grieving Blackthorn." Who also gets a, a, a nice shot in his shoulder. A pretty nasty one, too, that takes him quite a while to heal from. And uh, so they come out on top on that one, but, you know, much worse for wear. And uh, Eduardo helps uh, nurse him back to health and helps uh, cauterize his wound and everything. And and it's funny because up until that point, I'm like, this guy is nuts for wanting to leave like, you know, his beautiful, you know, young Indian woman, this beautiful house, you know, you know, humble, but beautiful and living in absolute paradise. Like why, you know, why would you want to, for for me, like that was the last thing keeping him there. So once she was gone, it made it easy for him to, you know, continue his journey and really actually leave. Well, they even mention it too. Like uh, Eduardo says, like, well, why would you want to, like, why do you want to leave this place? You know, because he can recognize too that it's a pretty great setup. And uh, Blackthorn just says, it's just a place. You know, to him, it's just, and you get that that sense too. That like he does have a connection to the people, and you know, this, this person he likes and uh, the native people. You you get the idea that he he likes them, but uh, the place doesn't really matter to him, and he's just kind of got that. He's got that mentality of like end of life, like, you know, the old bear just going on his way for one last trip, you know, one last time around. It's definitely the people that make a place. And I guess like when your favorite person in that place is gone. Yeah. Then you definitely have nothing to stick around for. I mean, at that point, he had no choice because, you know, the other people, they've sent two people to look for you, you know, the they're going to come with the rest of them. They'll send a 30 more if they have to. Yeah. Exactly. So at that point, they have no choice but to try to escape. And yeah, so they, so after he heals up for a couple of days, they, they take off and they, uh, where do they end up after that? Uh, they go, they head towards the desert. That's the next, that was the next area. Oh yeah. So they go to the desert. They go to the town. Uh, there's some flashbacks in here too. We start getting flashbacks of when Blackthorn is younger, uh, when he's with uh, uh, what's the her? Sundance Kid and Etta. And Etta, yeah, Sundance Kid and Etta, you know, and kind of their how they came to be in this place. So you know, there's a couple scenes of them in their bandit days. You know, there's some scenes of them when they first come to Bolivia and they think that you know everything's safe, but it turns out that there is still you know at least one Pinkerton still looking for them, and. Uh, that it kind of develops their their backstory in some of these flashbacks through this section, and that's kind of interspersed with some travel and like, um, just when it's relevant for for it to come up. And the thing I like about the flashbacks in this movie is they're not overdone, like they're just kind of short and they're just you know they give you what you need, and we don't we don't dwell on it for too long. They they provide momentary relevant context which is perfect so many flashback scenes in films exist simply to uh, inform stupid audiences it's it's like a lot of them are actually pretty insulting for the most part it's always like it's like a it's like the writers think you're too dumb to figure something out for yourself so let's have a flashback that'll explain it for you and you don't, that's not what these kinds of flashbacks are. They just deepen, uh, they just deepen the characters and deepen the story. And they, and they are short and sweet. They, you don't, they don't go on and on and on. And there's not like 50 of them. There's like maybe four. Yeah. You know, and, and they're, and they're paced, uh, they're, well, they're spaced really far enough in between that you kind of forget about them until they pop up again. Yeah. 
which very I true. also liked. Very true. Uh, and you just kind of get a sense of the connections and you get a little bit more, you know, an idea why he wants to go see his nephew too. Like why that would be something he'd want to go do. You kind of get that in this as well, because really he's kind of more of an, more than an uncle in a way. It seems like, you know, it's, it's a bit of a love triangle between the, it's, the it's, three of them. It's almost as if, even though uh, Edda was with the Sundance kid, it's almost as if the child may actually be Butch Cassidy's, a.k.a. Blackthorns. Right. So it's, you know, but basically to them, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. That was the, that was kind of the takeaway. You know, they were going to live their life this certain way, and nothing was really going to get in the way of that. And Edda ended up, you know, taking her pregnant belly back to the States. And, you know, the kid and Butch, she just basically stayed behind and, you know, tried to, I wouldn't say they tried to live honestly, but they they didn't seem like they were trying to be bandits either down there. It seemed like they weren't trying to kill people. You know, I think that's kind of the, the, the sense you get to from Blackthorn is that that's part of what's changed, you know. He, not like you said, not even that they're trying to be honest, but they just want to live their life and li- and lay low until they're forgotten. You know, they want to get to a point where they can go back to you know living more of a normal life. Um, and they even say because they think you know she's gonna come back eventually, which obviously that never that never happens once she goes back to America. Then that's you know she never comes back. But also that you know Sundance doesn't make it. You know they. They think he's dead, but in actuality, he does die, just not the way they thought. That was a pretty, uh, pretty sad scene there, too. Yeah. So you end up with this, uh, you know, Blackthorn just ending up there, you know, basically alone in South America, and he just stays. Yep. He just, you know, he wants to be his own man, and that's, you know, to him, that's the most important thing. So... Uh, through this part, they, they're traveling on and they get to the part where they're on the edge of the salt flat, which is like, you know, they have to get all the way across it. It's a huge expanse and it was kind of a, uh, a strategy, strategy decision, strategic. <laughs> it was a strategic decision, tactical decision on their part, because if they had gone other ways, uh, they would have been ambushed and killed or whatever. Right. But going this way it really becomes a question of like whose horses will die first because it's a huge expanse that they have to cross, you know, and there's no shelter, there's no water and anyone can see anyone coming. So there won't be any surprises. It'll just be, you know, it'll just be who, who can survive the, the longest to get across the other side. And, uh, they do, uh, at some point they end up splitting up. Yeah. They get to a kind of a, in the middle, there's kind of this rocky, just, uh, outcropping in the yeah. middle and that's you know they, they take a little bit of time to rest there but it's not going to be enough they have to keep going so they just split up and you know they each have an, an encounter with uh, their pursuers and they both narrowly uh, eduardo and blackthorn both narrowly uh win and by this point too it's kind of mentioned that they've built a relationship over this time um you know I think part of it a little bit is he's thinking back to when he had good friends and people he really counted on. And he, you know, not that he needs another person, but it's just like Eduardo becomes that person that he can, he, they trust each other because they've saved each other's lives. And, you know, he's going to let Eduardo go with the money. You know, that's, that's like, that's a big sign of trust. He's going to let him take it. He's going to go a separate way and they're going to meet up later. A huge, huge sign of trust. And yeah, so yeah, so they do, yeah, so they split up, they get, you know, they don't get ambushed, but you know, they, they have their confrontations. They both narrowly win. Um, Blackthorn ends up uh, making it to the edge of the, of the salt field or lake or, I mean, it's, it's a huge, huge area. It looks like it took days to, to cross. Again, I need to Google that because I would love to see if that's really there in Oblivia. And uh, he ends up, you know, basically he's just a complete wreck. You know, he's dehydrated, he's exhausted, he's practically on death's door, and he ends up at a doctor's office, and the doctor recognizes him for who he actually is as Butch Cassidy, the famed American bandit. 
and he calls the uh, the old Pinkerton agent that had almost snagged him, you, you know, decades before when he was still with Etta and the kid. And it turns out that uh, this Pinkerton guy has ever since been just kind of consumed by it. And, uh, you know, he's an alcoholic. He doesn't stop drinking, you know, <laughs> the rest of the time we see him. And, uh, you know, apparently he's just been dreaming this whole time of what he would do. You know, he never believed that they were dead. And, you know, he, he's just been thinking about what he'll do and how they'll apologize to him because he was right. And uh, so it's just, you know, he's finally had his day. And then in the morning, you know, after, after keeping a vigil all night, uh, McKinley, the name of this Pinkerton agent, He's just, you know, been sitting there drinking this whole time, just staring at, at Butch Cassidy at Blackthorn. And when, uh, Blackthorn awakens in the morning, uh, our former Pinkerton agent McKinley starts talking to him and, you know, talks about his grand visions of what would happen and how he's come to the realization that they're too old to be playing this game and he just wants to rest and just continue the quiet, simple life that he has had the last however many years, just working for the console for a pittance every month and just greeting the occasional random North American that happens to stray through. Yeah. So he's, uh, you know, it's just like one of those, it, it was a great scene that just, you know, he recognizes like, we're just, we're two old men. Like everything that happened before just, it's, you know, it doesn't amount to anything anymore. Uh, we're both living, you know, we both are living the lives we want to live. So what's the point? But he'd already called for the army the night before. Uh, so they are on the way. So, you know, now we've got this other element of there's people coming that think Butch Cassidy is there in addition to the theft of the money. So this has kind of raised them on the radar a bit. So McKinley decides he's actually going to help him. So he sets him up with a, a little place outside of town. You know, someone who will host him without saying anything or selling him out. And uh, that's going to be it. He'll go on his way after that. So we also find out that Eduardo has also made it across um, and and met up in the town. But when he sees that the army's there, he decides he's going to leave on his own. And not wait, you know, not regroup. And you also see some of those very stern-faced Indian pursuers who have been chasing uh, Blackthorn and Eduardo this entire time. So clearly, you know, they're communicating to some extent with the, with the military and with, uh, and with now McKinley. So the, the, the plot does thicken here. And uh, shortly after uh, McKinley sets Blackthorn up at his little hideout, you know, he finds out, McKinley finds out the truth of Eduardo and what he's done. And he goes and he finds, uh, he finds um, Blackthorn and talks to him and lets him know, like, Eduardo didn't steal from Patino. Patino sold or ended up uh, selling, I guess, forcibly selling that mine to the miners, to the Indians themselves. And he's just flabbergasted that. Blackthorn didn't know this because it was huge news a couple of years ago. Everybody knew it, but Blackthorn's been living in the woods, living this very peaceful, quiet life and keeping to himself. So, you know, this is 1927 is when this film is set. And the people he, the people he's near, you know, the native people, they also are just living off the land. So he doesn't get news from them either. So even the people he interacts with aren't, don't care. Yeah. So, like, even if he had kept even a casual foot into the civilized world, he never would, you know, he never would have fallen for Eduardo's lie, supposedly, if that's true about Eduardo. And, uh, you know, with that knowledge, you know, Blackthorn decides, okay, so I'm going to go. Well, he goes and he finds uh, Eduardo and confronts him. Eduardo's thrilled to see his, uh, his, his bandit friend again. And he's like, wow, you're like, I knew it. You were the Butch Cassidy. And, you know, he's genuinely excited to see him and happy to see him. And, you know, Blackthorn's just sitting there on the ground, just looking at him. Are you okay? Are you okay? He says. 
and uh, he just just has one line. <laughs> you know, did you steal? You know, from the Indians, from the native people. Yeah, he, he can he confronts Eduardo pretty much outright, and Eduardo does admit that yeah, yeah, he stole. You know, but you know, your name isn't Blackthorn either. You know, we all have our secrets, and Eduardo does not have any of the, the kind of sense of honor or loyalty that Blackthorn does, and that's the the huge difference between these two men. And like, it, Blackthorn doesn't have anyone else. Like the native people were the closest thing he has to people in this land, you know. And he has no connection to the people back home either, except for this nephew of his. So, you know, he just, you know, he. It's just like you don't do it, you know. They, they mention it kind of, uh, I think, in another part, where it's like that's just not the way we operated, you know. We, we like to live free. It wasn't about necessarily just being bandits. It wasn't about being violent. It was about living free when we first started out. Um, and it just kind of changed over time. As over time, you know, as, as the West was civilized with railroads and ranchers, there became less room for everyone. And which is, you know, a great reason to go to South America, especially back then. There was still more. There was still much more of that frontier aspect to it, and uh, so essentially, Eduardo represents a uh, the antithesis of all of that to him, and he ends up uh, shooting him in the leg, and making his horse run off, and basically leaves him there with his money to be captured or killed, and. Uh, that is essentially the film. There's a little more after that, but we'll, you know, we'll save that for, for the viewer if they want. Yeah. There's a lot of connective tissue even in this movie. We didn't even mention just because it's just that kind of movie. Like there's a lot of little details that you wouldn't even include in a summary, but it's like, those are all the things that make this movie so engaging. Um, you know, the, this world is very, it, it just the way it's all connected. It has many, many layers, not necessarily thick layers, you know, but like you were saying, like connective tissue, it's, uh, just a really beautiful piece of work. I'll just say that, um, some of the technical aspects, I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the way that they, where they filmed and everything, um, the sets that they built were incredible. They used a lot of like old churches and buildings and things for backdrops. And by, by churches, I mean like, you know, Spanish missions and the like. Something you might see in California, if you're familiar with the uh, the missions there. But just run down and just beautiful looking. And there's uh, w- one little cool trick that they did, um, which I pointed out when we were watching the film, is during the night scenes, they're not filmed at night. They took their cue... The director, Matteo Gill, he took the cue from the old Westerns from like the 50s and 60s and so on when they filmed during the daytime and then just tinted everything to make it look like it was nighttime. And that was a fantastic touch to really show the um, the origins and the inspiration for this particular film. It really, you know, it was like a modern, just a really well done modern version of like one of those old classic Westerns. And I think it honestly deserves a place among those. And I think it's uh, it's just kind of the kind of story it is. It's familiar because you kind of have like this old guy who does, is an unwilling mentor who's showing this young guy the ropes. And uh, it just turns into a totally completely different kind of movie, you know. There, there were a couple of times when I wasn't sure what kind of movie we were going to actually have without being like, ooh, twisty-turvy necessarily. Right. I mean, like all of the twists are subtle, but important. Like the first 40 minutes of this movie was like, it could be its own movie, you know, like just the way that whole act built up. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we even got like that. We got build up and like introduction to the point where they were in the mine. And that felt like its own little like peaks, you know, we, 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 each 
act paid off really well at the end. And it also didn't feel like a, just a typical three-act film either. It felt more like a five-act film mm. or six-act film. Yeah. Like there were definitely, there was just a lot going on in this film just all across the board, which I really, really loved. Um, what would you say your best performance in the film was? Uh, I think that's uh, Sam Shepard. Absolutely, Sam Shepard. He looks amazing in this movie. Like, he's got the grizzled, you know, old man look where it's like totally believable that he's still like just tough as nails. Like, he he was a fairly, you know, rugged and uh, competent human being just in real life. And, you know, he brought all of that and then some to this role for sure. And then like that charisma too, like like that that kind of like, uh, like frontier wisdom, if you will, you know, just that that outlook of life. He 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 lived that perfectly, you know. You could see it very clearly. Yeah, he he really, uh, yeah, he really did embody everything that this character needed to be. And uh, Eduardo Noriega, as uh, the other Eduardo. Um, he did a really fantastic job too. I mean, his character went from, you know, first off, it's like, you know, by the time you're introduced to him, you already kind of like Blackthorn and you want him to just kick this guy's ass or kill him or something after he, you know, ruins his horse and, you know, makes him lose all of his money, you know, and then he's whining and sniveling and then you just kind of hate him some more. And then you kind of start to understand him a little bit. Then you kind of start to sympathize and then you really grow to like him. And then like in the end, you're just like the disappointed dad <laughs> that Blackthorn is when he realizes that, you know, he really stole from like the wrong people and really did the wrong thing for the wrong reason. And it was, I mean, cause like, like it was definitely, that was definitely Blackthorn at the end. It wasn't the, you know, like pissed off. It was the, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to shoot you in the leg and, and leave you to die <laughs> instead of just killing you and taking the money. Because <sighs> to Blackthorn, you know, he didn't want the money. You know, that's the thing. He just wanted what was his from the beginning. So getting money from uh, Eduardo wouldn't be getting what was his. No, it would just be stealing from somebody else who had worked really hard and fought really hard to get it. And when it was stealing from these rich bastards that he obviously hated... Oh yeah, yeah, no was problem one with that. Thing. Oh, th- that was in his wheelhouse. Exactly. You know, stealing from like you know the, you know the the railroads or the big banks in America. You know that was you know that was that was old hat to him. You know, but then when you know also too that you know we we didn't quite cover is the way that the Indians, you know, took over the mines is. You know, they basically threw a little riot because like you know they were getting crappy wages and mistreatment, so I mean it was it was a very just thing for them to end up with the mind, the mines and they earned it and fought for it. And it was just for them to have it, you know, and this is, you know, and Blackthorn is a man, whatever else he may be, he has a very serious moral compass. And I think it comes in there too, at the end, because he's also realized that the people he killed along the way, because he doesn't like killing people really anymore. Yeah. Unless he has to. So the people that they killed along the way were also, you know, the just uh, owners and stuff like that. So you feel that he he feels the full weight of that, too. You know, all of his actions he unwittingly did. Yeah. yeah. He, he essentially ended up hurting people who really weren't much different from him. Right. Which is what he never wanted to do in the first place. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of emotional levels there. And that. The, Back to the question is they both both of the leads, excellent performances. Yeah, uh, the people in the flashbacks, great job. Good supporting actors. Our, our Pinkerton, great great a- job in the, their scenes together. Let, let's talk about him for just a moment. So McKinley, the Pinkerton guy, uh, played by Stephen Ray, he was in V for Vendetta, a bunch of other stuff. He basically steals the show in the hospital if you can call it a hospital, the doctor's office. He has such a great, you know, scene where he talks about, you know, basically just not wanting to pursue this criminal and not wanting to live that life and just wanting his well-deserved rest. 
that was just, I mean, all there was so much great dialogue in this film. That scene in particular really stood out to me. And, you know, Stephen really just carried that whole, he, he carried that whole scene too. And, uh, you know, your eyes are glued to the, to the screen that whole time. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a really great, great point there. There's a couple really good emotional gut punches in this movie. Um, and that's kind of one of them, you know, it's just, you, there, you think it's building towards one thing and it's not even that it's a switch. It's just, it's a logical conclusion. You know, he comes to the logical conclusion at the end, which you wouldn't necessarily expect from someone like that. I didn't expect it at all, yeah. but I understood it when he was done talking about it. And right. that was, that's beautiful. Yeah. It makes sense in the end. And it's like, okay, I get you. All right. So, yeah. So uh, how about worst performance in the film? Um, I don't know. Just a typical uh, one, typical little area we like to cover in every every review. I can't really think of one. Everybody does a fantastic job. There's not any bad actors in this. There's no throwaway characters, really. Yeah, I mean, the army general yeah. is the closest one to someone who has lines that really was just like, okay. I mean, that, that, it served I, a purpose. Yeah, I mean, that, that could have been played by anybody. Yeah. But the nice thing, at least with that character, is we didn't have to see him more than necessary, and he didn't say more than necessary. Yeah. He was there to basically show that they meant business, and, uh, you know. And, yeah, that's exactly through. what they got. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, another thing I like, too, is the uh, the sound editing. Mm. There were definitely some great times, like, where you hear some gunshots, and you think it's in that scene, and goes to the next scene. Just this editing and sound in general was really top-notch in this. The music uh, as well. Uh, there was just a ton of kind of classic country songs and folk songs throughout the movie. And not like in a soundtrack sense either. Like it was, it was in the film, in the scenes. Um, at one point in one of their stops, uh, Blackthorn buys like a little travel guitar kind of thing. A really teeny tiny, th- it, it looked awesome. And he was all singing on his horse, strumming along. So you got a lot of that. You didn't get, uh, you didn't get like that cinematic country music thing going. No, it's all just like a guy singing and maybe playing a guitar, like all very kind of low key. Yeah. But I, a couple of the songs I, I recognized and they were just, you know, either traditional folk songs or, um, you know, kind of classic country songs. Yeah. Just, just a great blending and, and very relevant and topical. And that kind of comes in with uh, uh, Eduardo at the end too, because he kind of picks that up from Blackthorn. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So one other thing we kind of, we've danced around, I guess, with the, with everything is that the script in this movie is great. Um, the writing, as far as the dialogue, is top notch. Um, it's all very believable and like perfectly in character and entertaining. And the pacing, and like we said, how there's kind of a, a lot of acts within it. Um, it's just a really well written and like, everything is used well as well. I said well way too many times, but you get what I'm trying to say. And uh, that this movie was written by uh, Miguel Barros, who has only done a couple of other movies and a little bit of TV. And um, if the other stuff he's written is as good as this, he's definitely not getting enough work. Yeah. Like he, he really, you know, and it's also funny too. So many of the movies we watch, are written by like four people and they're still terrible. <laughs> and you can tell that this guy really had a very clear story that he wanted to say. And like, and, and like the, the director too, because you know, their visions work together. You can see that what the writer was trying to do was executed on, you know, as far as the look and the feel of this movie, it really, really connects really well. And I, I don't feel like there's anything wasted in this movie. Oh no, 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 no. And it's, it's funny because the film's only like, what, like an hour and 40 some odd minutes. And it feels so much longer because there's so much going on. And there's, I mean, there's so much to like fill the eyes. There's so much to, to listen to. There's so much to follow, but in a good way, that's not like tiring or like, oh God, is it over yet? There's, there, it reminds me of, there's like a famous saying, I don't know if it's like kind of like a jazz or like. Uh, something like, I don't know who said it, but it's like you know you're a really good player when you can play the rests. Oh like, yeah, yeah. When the rests are are something that's actually engaging you, 
And that is absolutely this movie. The when, times where they're traveling and the times where just little things are happening is like it's part of the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just wonderfully paced, wonderfully edited, wonderfully, wonderfully uh, told. So with all of that in mind, does this film meet our three primary criteria, Ken? Was it well-written? Yes. Uh, yes. Was it well-acted? Yes. Holy shit, yes. Was it well-produced? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this has the look and feel of like a big, you know, budget Hollywood movie, and it's not. Yeah, and they didn't need all the effects. They didn't need, yeah, they didn't need effects. They didn't need like fake CGI horses. There's no like high speed horse chase crap. And like the simple, uh, you know, it's just simple stunts. You know, the stuff people falling off a horse. Yeah. Like, you know, we're getting smacked with a pistol. Exactly. You know? It's, there's no, there's no big dumb explosions. There's no, there's no modern slang kind of worked in to, to appeal to the kids. The, the the people who made this movie knew exactly what a what what made all of the other great movies great in this genre. And like they make really good use of things like like dust on the horizon, like something that's really simple, but it's very effective in this movie. Oh, that's a great example. They look over the ridge one time, they see that little dust. It's like, oh, those guys are coming. Yeah, it's like they could have been a guy out there with like a bucket, just throwing it up in the air. I'm like, but it works. And like they don't show the people pursuing them too much, you know, because you don't really you you get a couple shots, tracking shots, long shots of them, but you don't like they're not really characters, you know, they're the force that's coming in, much like you oh, know, yeah, much like uh, Blackthorn was feeling that you know encroaching on him uh, w- when he was in America. It's kind of that like it's that like, pressure. It's like you know death approaching. Yeah. And you're trying to outrun it, and it's still coming for you. Yeah. And it was coming for them till the very end. Indeed. That's a wrap for tonight's episode here at the O&M Stockroom. We're your hosts, Brian McGarry. And Ken O'Malley. If you enjoyed this segment of Complimentary Cinema, more episodes can be found at omstockroom.com, along with links to our Patreon page and various streaming outlets. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next Wednesday with an all-new episode.